if you um, if you are living on the edge of life, if you are at the edge of life, either uh, you went there voluntarily or life just pushed you there, you cannot take another step. You have done all you can do. You don't have any money left. You've done all you can do. You've tried to save the marriage. You've done everything you know how to do. You cannot do anything else. You've gone to every single doctor. You've taken every single pill. You've gotten every single shot. There is nothing left you can do. You are at the edge. And and this is what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, Because there is an invitation that the Lord makes on living a life that is so full of faith that you are living at the edge. If God does not come through, then you're in trouble. If God doesn't come through, you are at the edge. Let me say a few things. If you read a, uh, the book of Mark, for example, there's 16 chapters. It's a quick, easy read. Uh, you read the book of Mark. What you'll notice is in the book of chapter, uh, chapter 16, it says that miracles will follow people who believe in Jesus Christ. So raise your hand if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Raise your hand. This means that miracles should be following you and should be following me. Here's another very fascinating scripture. Jesus, when he was teaching us how to pray, he said like this. When you pray, pray just like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Here it comes. Thy will be done here on earth just like it is in heaven. Are there sick people in heaven? Are there depressed people in heaven? Are there wheelchairs in heaven? Are there, is there people with ADD in heaven? Uh, don't talk bad about people with ADD. I've got ADD and it means a deeper dimension. So leave it alone. But there's, there's, it, everyone is happy. There is a tremendous amount of peace. And so when Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. The way it is in heaven, the way the culture is in heaven, I want you to pray in such a way that you begin to establish the culture of heaven here on the earth and you are the ones that are going to do that. That means miracles have to happen. So here's the thing. If you've gone, uh, if you've read any part of the Bible, you cannot read a page of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. You can't read one page without reading about miracles. God intends on his children, his disciple operating in miracles where we walk around and see someone sick and have the authority and the confidence to pray for them. This is called living on the edge. Why is it living on the edge? Because when you pray for somebody who's sick, you're afraid to stop praying. Because if they don't get healed, it gets awkward. Are you awake out there? Are you awake? It it gets awkward. So you say, in Jesus' name, and then you got your eye open. It's like, in Jesus' name, how you feeling? You feeling all right? You feeling okay? Okay, I got to pray again. In Jesus' name, and then you just get louder. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, as if Jesus is deaf and he didn't hear you. 
And so Jesus is living on the edge. If you are going to pray for a miracle, if you are going to pray for a healing, that is living on the edge. There are 71 churches in the woodlands. This church may not be for you. I'm just telling you, I'm going to give you a warning. It may not be for you because if you attend this church, I am going to push you to the edge. I am going to challenge you week after week after week to believe in miracles and believe in healing because Jesus did not die on the cross for nothing. He did not die on the cross for nothing. When he died, this, I just got this revelation just now. He could have died on the cross for our salvation without the whipping. Are you there? Some of you are, are ahead of me. You're already there. You're waiting on me. You're ahead of me and waiting on me. He could have died on the cross, paid for our sins, because it was his death on the cross that paid for our sins. But he said, I don't want to just bring them to heaven because they're going to spend some time on earth and many of them are going to get sick. So I'm going to take the lashes on my back. It's by his wounds that we are healed. So... Yes. If we don't call on that healing, if we don't call on those miracles, then he took those wounds and those lashes for nothing. He took them for nothing. He chose to take them. He, we are bruised for our iniquities. It, if we don't call upon that, if we don't walk in our authority, if we don't cultivate that faith, then he was whipped and bruised for nothing because we're not calling upon it. And so if you attend this church, I'm just, you've already gotten your warning. I'm going to push you because here's the thing. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of sick and tired, sick and tired of hearing Christians. And I've prayed this prayer before. When somebody needs a miracle, we say, dear Lord, guide the surgeon's hand. Isn't that a safe prayer? Guide the surgeon's hand. I would pray for a miracle in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, speak to the mountain. Don't pray about the mountain. Speak to the mountain in the name of Jesus. So you speak to the mountain. Speak to it. The Bible doesn't talk about praying for healing people. He says, heal people. So don't get caught up. So I'm chasing rabbits. There's another bunny. (laughs) Speak to it. So now watch this. Jesus, he had 12 apostles, but he had hundreds of disciples, hundreds of them. If you read the book of Mark, you will be overwhelmed on noticing that he was surrounded by hundreds, thousands of people all the time. When he fed 4,000, when he fed 5,000 with fish and loaves, do you think that that was only those two days where all those people were there? All those people were there all the time. People were coming that were sick. People were bringing friends who were sick. People just wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next following them around. Many of those people were disciples. They were studying him, following him, doing what he does. 
And he backed up one day, and this is what he said to all that entire crowd. Watch this. It reads like this in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord now chose 72. Everyone say 72 real loud. 72. He chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. He planned to visit. So he took 72, he put them in teams of two, and then he sent them out. So what's 72 divided by two? It's 36, all right? 72 divided by two is 36. So he had planned on going to 36 different towns. Thinking about it? He's got to walk everywhere. Turns around and he sees disciples, hundreds of them. Says, you know what? Rather than me going, I want you to go. And when you get there, I want you to do two things. I want you to heal the sick. And I want you to tell them about the kingdom of heaven. Any questions? Yeah, yeah, just just go. (laughs) They go. Now, Let's hear this. Disciples, disciples of Christ, people who believe in him, their assignment is to say what Jesus would say and do what Jesus would do. Say what he would say, do what he would do. Say what he would say, do what he would do. So this is what he told them. Let's see what happened next. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. This is what he's saying. I would love, I picked 72 of you. I would have liked to have picked 272. I would have liked to have picked 572. But I only picked 72. 72 of you are willing and ready to live at the edge. What was, what was up with everybody else? Maybe they love Jesus, but the cares of this world are so desirable that they don't want to live at the edge. They don't want to live and breathe faith. They don't want that. I just want to show up to church once a month. I want to sing, moving forward, and then I'll see you next month. Some people, that's even too much. They're CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. Any CEO? There they are right there. All right. (laughs) I could only do that to Angela, all right? I love Angela so much. I love her. If it was anybody else, I would have just passed by. (laughs) All the new people went, did he just do that? Um, Angela's been a part of our church for a long time. All right. What am I talking about? He sends them out. So if there is somebody, if you, if you have somebody in your family and you're like, oh my goodness, I wish that they were more passionate about God. Don't make them feel guilty. Don't tie their arm behind their back. That doesn't work. This is what does work. Watch this in Romans chapter five, verse five. The love, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You pray about that. 
You say, God, I want you to pour your love on their heart. Pour your love on their heart. Make their life so miserable. That's a good prayer to pray. Make their life miserable until they come to you. And there are some of us that we live unfulfilled lives. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you love Jesus Christ with your whole heart, you will always be unfulfilled with your work until you are a part of kingdom work. Paul had a tent business. It was a very successful tent business. He was an apostle. It was a very successful tent business. You can have a successful tent business, if you will. But the kingdom of God has got to be your primary business. It's got to be your focus. You got you to be like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know about your house. I don't know about your house. I don't know about your house. But as me for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if you have someone in your family that doesn't want to serve the Lord, you pray down thunder on them. Not literally, but the th- God's love. They just wake up one more is like, I love God. Now, hear me say this. Let me keep on packing. In Luke chapter 10, verse four, it says, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. God's saying this, I'm going to put you in a position to where you don't have any other options except for me. You want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? I'm going to put you in a position where even your best friend won't be able to help you. See, God's plan for your life does not make room for your backup plan. No room. He will put you in a position where you are praying for something that it cannot happen. Who am I talking to today? Does anyone here have a prayer request? That if God doesn't come through, you're cooked. Raise your hand. I want to know who I'm talking to. If God doesn't come through, you're cooked. Raise your hand if you've ever been there. And God came through for you. These are the, he will call you out and bring you to these places. Now, when he pulls you out, when he starts taking you to places, you're like, I don't want to be in this season. I don't like this season. I can't stand this season. Nobody wants to live by faith. (laughs) Nobody volunteers to live. God, I want you to put me in a situation where I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody... Nobody, I want you to put me in a situation where I feel like I'm sinking. Nobody, nobody wants that. But when you end up in that situation, it's like, okay, here we go. Is there something interesting about faith? Faith has two parts to it. It's like a hamburger. You got one bottom piece of bread and you got a top piece of bread. Both pieces of bread are equally as important. Faith has Two parts to it. Both of them are equally as important. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Now, if you don't read it, we're all going to read it together. If I see one person not reading, everybody's got to do it over again, okay? All right, here we go. But without faith...
Here we go. God's saying, you have to have faith. Now, faith is two parts. The first part is, is that you have to believe that he is. You have to believe that he exists. That's number one. The second part is, not only do you believe that I exist, but you also believe that if you pursue me, I'm going to reward you. You have to believe that I exist and you have to believe in my character. Both. Not only am I here, but you know the kind of God I am. That if you pray to me, if you seek me, if you set your face like flint, if you say, look, I'm going to fast and I'm either going to die of starvation or you're going to get me a miracle. God says, if you act like that, you pursue me, you pray, you seek, you worship. I am going to reward you. You have to believe that that is the kind of God that you serve. I'm going to tell you, just share something with you. There is, um, uh, there, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, there are these, not concentric circles, there, there are these phases. Sometimes you will ask God for something. And when you ask it, he will give it to you. Other times you'll ask for something and you won't get a response. And so now all eyes are on you. What are you going to do now? You ask, nothing happened. Do you, or do you go to the second phase? You ask and then you go, oh, nothing happened. Now it's time for me to seek. I got to start digging in the Bible. I got to start digging in some. I got to find me a favorite scripture. I got to pray. I've got to pray. I've got to pray. And if you don't know what to pray, just pray the same sentence over and over again. He's hearing more than just your words. He's hearing the cry of your heart. So step one is you ask. And a lot of times you'll get what you want with that first ask. You don't get what you want. You go to phase two. You seek. And a lot of times, bam, God will come through because you have invested the time into seeking. That doesn't work. You go to step three. Step three is the desperation mode. It's the de desperation stage. Not everybody even gets to phase three. See, phase three, phase one is you ask. Phase two is you seek. Phase three is you knock. Have you ever had somebody knock on your door? Or ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Raise your hand. Ding dong, ding dong. And you're walking to the door like, this better be an emergency. This better be an emergency. If somebody's cat is stuck in the tree and you're ready, I'm going to shoot it. Some of you cat people are like that. You could have picked another example. You know why I don't like cats? <laughs> I've said this before. You walk in the house. You've been at work all day long. You come in. You open the door. You look at your cat. And the cat's like, what are you doing here? It's like, I live here. You walk up to your favorite chair. And the cat's like, I'm here. You walk in the house and you got a dog? Dog acts like it's never seen you before. <laughs> ah, 
you're home. He's home. Ah, she's home. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. When I come in, that's what. That's how I want to be received. I want somebody to shake it. What am I talking about right now? Dear Jesus. Knocking. Thank you, Allie. I love you, Allie. It's my wife. Knock. See, I was raised Pentecostal. Just going to tell you, uh, I was raised Pentecostal. Pentecost will teach you two things. It will teach you how to pray, and it will teach you how to worship. It's like the boot camp. It's like boot camp. You come down here to the altar, they don't even let you go back to your seat till you know how to pray. You ain't going back. If you don't know how to pray, and you don't come down here and learn how to pray, the preacher will come out there and get you. So I'm just telling you, let me just share this with you for those of you that weren't raised that way. There's a certain intensity. There's a a certain focus. There's a certain level of desperation where you begin to cry out to the name of Jesus Christ because that's all you got. That's living on the edge. It's all you got. And you just say, Jesus, you better answer me because I will bang on this door for the next 50 years. Just tell the Lord, hey, God, I'm not the guy that's going to get tired and stop after two days. That's not me. I'm just warming up. I'm just warming up. Somebody say, I'm just warming up. Just warming up. I'm just warming up. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. That's what we do all day. If you see somebody who's sick, say, can I pray for you? Can I, I mean, people in Kroger's, when they're walking down the aisle four and they see you, you ought to be like, oh, Jesus, there's that girl again. No, you come back here. I'm going to pray for you. You, you, you just And you don't have to pray long. You just got to get that name Jesus out of your mouth. I've said this before. If you're about to wreck your car, you don't go Jehovah Jireh. You go Jesus. You go, Can I pray for you, please? Just, and then you do a short interview. What is wrong? What is wrong? Then you speak right to that problem. Put the name of Jesus on it and be done. You pray any longer than that, you might be praying by yourself. They'll walk off. And we tell people God is near. God is near. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us. Joy awaits those who live life on the edge. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary believing in God. But joy awaits you said, what's Jesus's response? I'm so glad you asked. The 72 came back. At the same time, Jesus was filled with joy, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. What are we talking about today? 
We are talking about as believers, we have got to have that bulldog spirit. You ever notice a bulldog's nose is backwards like this? You can see the boogers right up the nose. They can bite and breathe at the same time. That bulldog is going to be there a while. It has learned how to breathe and fight at the same time. Not all dogs have that nose like that. They can't do it. You just, they, 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 they're not shaped that way. I'm just going to say, I'm sorry it's a very poor example. I'm not calling any of you a dog. But what I am saying is we got to have that bulldog mentality of I'm not letting go. And I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for me. Here's the thing. You will pray. I said this time and time again. I've prayed for some people. They've been healed. I prayed for other people. They weren't healed. You pray for no people. Nobody gets healed. We pray for a lot of people. A lot of people get healed. You don't pray for anybody. Nobody gets healed. You pray for a few people. Only a few people get healed. How do you want to live your life? I got a video for you. I want you to see it. This is a friend of mine, Beto, right there sitting on the third row. He's in my life group. I love this man. About a year ago, he shared his testimony with me. And I called him last week and I said, your testimony has never left my remembrance. Um, Can we record it and play it? He said, absolutely. There's a level of desperation. There's a level of tenacity that a Christian has that I want to challenge you to pursue. Uh, Why don't you take a look at this? My name is Beto Mora, and this is my story. One day, I get up, usual, gone to work. I felt something on my finger, on my pinky, right hand. And uh, I looked, and it looked like I had a little blister. Hmm, very, very small, very, really small, really tiny. And like, what is this? And it's itching me. So I started to scratch. The next day I got, I, I woke up and I have not only one blister, I have three or four or maybe five. In about three months I had my hands full of blisters. So I got worried, I went to the doctor. The first thing when I see the dermatologist, he told me that I have fungus or something like that. So. Um, I tried everything that he gave me and nothing worked. So, you know, the next thing I know is been three months and I'm suffering now because my nails are falling. My, I, there is full of blood, full of pus. No one, nobody wants to shake hands with me. My self-esteem is down to the, uh, to the, uh, to the floor or to the ground. And the only part of my body that I had this disease was in my hands, nothing else. So I couldn't say hi. I couldn't shake hands with nobody because everybody was like, oh, there's a disease here, I don't want to touch you. So I went again to the doctor and I said, hey, you need to tell me what do I have? What kind of disease is this? So he says he practiced a uh, biopsy here and he came back with the results. And he said, uh, I'm sorry, you have three 
skin diseases. And I'm like, what is it? It was like psoriasis, eczema, and dermatitis. And none of them has cured. Not even one? No. How can I get rid of it? There is no way. So he, I said, I asked him, what should I do? You have to just live with it until you die. So I was really depressed. I got to the point where I couldn't even take a shower. I couldn't drive to work. I couldn't do anything. My wife was doing everything for me. Maybe, maybe about a year. She was helping me. I went through this process for maybe four years. And in the last doc doctor I went to visit, it was a doctor on, on in Manhattan, Manhattan City, uh, Central Park West, I remember clearly, clearly. And it was one of the best doctors. So he spent three seconds with me. He just looked at my hands and he says, you need a shot, a cortisone shot, that's all. When I went to pay, he says, it's $800 for three seconds. Um, I left and I started crying, not because he charged me $100. I started crying because I realized that I left God as my last option. And I said, please, God, forgive me. And I was crying out. And I said, please forgive me. And I want you to be my, my first option, not the last one. Guide me what to do. You know, I got home, waited, things got worse. My wife was cooking one day. I was, I was in bed for three days with my, um, I was really down. I didn't want to do anything. So I got up that day, the third day that was on, uh, on the bed. And I went to eat. My, my wife was, was uh, she was uh, cooking. And I see, and I saw her cutting the, uh, the meat with a knife. And I said, ah, that will be the, uh, the answer to my problem. If I use that knife and I cut my, cut my, my hands off. Then I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to commitment with God. And one day I made a decision of surrendering my life to God in a way that I have to do something about it. And I start fasting. I start fasting, you know, the first time I did it one day, it was really hard. Then another three days, no food, only water. And looking for results. You know, I was encouraged by one of the pastors who said that the, uh, you can do a lot of things through fast, fasting and praying. It's kind of uh, hard, but you may, you'll do it. I did it. Then I went seven days, no food, just water, no results. 14 days, no food, just water. Next thing I know, I'm doing seven, uh, uh, 21 days. And I saw difference on the uh, design. I saw a big difference. Day 20, my hands were nice, clean, clear, beautiful. I did 40 days, 40 days fasting, no, no food at all, just water. 
And then, you know, day 25, day 30, my skin got healthier, looked good. It had another texture. It was different. And it went away for good. I mean, it never came back until this day. So I said, my wife, hey, we need to celebrate. God did it for me. And he did it. And then I don't know if you, if you guys are, you know, going through some health issues. You know, there's many people listening to uh, this interview. All I can tell you is believe in God, trust in Him. Do what He asks you to do. Be faithful. Fight for your miracle. The way He healed me, He's going to do it for you. I know you might be going through problems. Uh, I don't know, uh, maybe your health, maybe your finances, anything. God got control for us. He's got our back. So I encourage you to keep believing. If you fight and you have cancer, any sort of a, a disease, you believe in God. He created you and He loves you and He's going to do it for you. Just believe the, the, believe the way I did. And I encourage you to keep believing, move on, and conquer your miracle. God bless you. Beto, why don't you stand up and wave at everybody? There he is right there. You know, you know what I love about that story, and, and some of you guys have been there. Lord, I'm either going to starve to death or you're going to heal me. There's not a formula for miracles, there's not a formula for healing. Some people are healed. A lot of people get healed right down here at the prayer line. Um, that happens a lot here. But Jesus said, some things only happen by prayer and fasting. Let me just say to all of you that are healthy in this room, you're not sick, you're not healthy. Uh, I want you to join with me my, my, I've fasted two weeks in the past three weeks. One week was no food. Another week was just fruits and vegetables. My, my lifestyle is going to be fasting. It's just going to be my lifestyle. Why? Am I sick? No. The, the distance between our miracles has got to get closer. It's got to get closer. I'm going to tell you. Lost people, sick people are depending on healthy people to intercede for them because they can't fast on their own. A lot of times they have to have that food. They have to have that nutrition. They're counting on the church and you are the church. We have a responsibility. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? I'd like our prayer partners to come down here if you would. There's a sweet presence of the Lord in this room. There's a sweet presence. There's a healing presence in this room. People, if you need a healing in your body, you need a miracle. You come down here. They don't believe that God can. They believe that God will. They'll call on the name of Jesus for you. 
Come on down here. You say, I can pray by myself. Absolutely you can. You got all week to do that. But right now, you have an opportunity because the Bible says wherever two or three agree on one thing, there I'll be. And in some translations, it says wherever two people agree, I'm standing in the middle. So I want to invite you right now. I want you to invite you. I want you to come out of your seat. Everybody else, if you feel comfortable with it, would you just raise both hands? Holy Spirit, we know that you're in this room. We know that you're in this room. Move in this room. Move. Move in this room. Be mighty in this room. Be powerful in this room. Jesus, we're calling on your mighty name. Cancer, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke you, cancer. Be gone. Be out of this building disintegrate inside of bodies right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to bone cancer. I speak to cancer in the brain. I speak to cancer in the lungs. I I speak to, to any kind of cancer. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus to disintegrate in Jesus name. If there's anyone sick in this room, I speak to that sickness to be gone, to be gone in the name of Jesus Christ, to be gone in Jesus name. In Jesus' name. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. You can leave in one minute. You can leave in ten minutes. But let me pray a blessing over your life. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May His face shine down upon you. May His countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name. Amen.